I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 229. All right, jumping right in. The first one's called A Faithful Halloween. Hello, voices in my head. I love listening to your podcast. Y'all's laughter is so contagious. So let's go. In fifth grade, I went to my frenemy's Halloween party, which was still maybe the most fun party I've ever been to. The party had bobbing for apples, a haunted hayride, and best of all, a fortune-telling grandmother. One at a time, this enlightened Nana called us into the dining room and revealed our futures. When it was my turn, she told me three things. I would never be wedded, I would travel a lot, and I would have many children. At 10 years old, I didn't know what to do with this information, but I felt devastated I would never be married because that's all we were brainwashed to care about. After leaving the room, all the girls shared their fortunes, and they were all told the same thing. They would marry the fifth-grade heartthrob, Austin Fletcher. I did not have interest in Austin, but still felt left out and concerned about my fate for years. Now, at 28 years old, I realized that Nana's predictions were right. I've never had a wedding because my partner and I eloped. We travel every chance we get, and I have 16 kids. I'm a pediatric nurse for children in child services that have failed out of foster homes because of behavioral issues, mostly rooted in trauma. Who can blame them? I'm honored to be there for my kids on their worst and best days and work with an amazing team of people that give these kids a safe environment to heal and understand they deserve love. I'm submitting this in May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. I appreciate that you two are so open in sharing your struggles and successes and encourage those who are suffering to seek help. Those who work in mental health are no exception to the rule, as even therapists have therapists. Y'all rock, Miss Mary Mack. Yes, like the nursery rhyme. Oh, that makes me want to do the hand thing. Miss Mary Mack, Mack, Mack. Mm-hmm. Do you wear black scrubs? Because that would be best. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Also, fitting that you talk about Halloween because we just put our Halloween decorations up. Well, I'm like mid-decorations. And by that, I mean, I've only taken my all-the-time decorations down. And Donna's like, done. Well, you have a lot more than me. Yeah. You didn't put up your whole spooky town. When you get your spooky town up, you have more than me. Maybe. But, Okay. Sorry, (laughs) you're still going on that. And I went back to her story. Who married the Austin guy then? If her prediction was right about you, was there like an all-out brawl over that Austin guy? Meanwhile, Austin's like really a gay guy that had nothing to do with any of them, you (laughs) know? Yeah. It's like, uh, actually, no, that's funny. But that's so weird that she told all the other girls the same thing, but you got something different. Yeah. Maybe she really felt something with you. I've done apple bobbing, bobbing for apples or whatever, like once or twice in like elementary school. And I really want to do that again. However, my hair can't survive that. So that had to be the last thing I do. I don't know. And also just like COVID and all of that, not cool. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the thought of it now, I'm like, yeah, that's fun. But then no, like I would need... Everyone to have separate buckets and separate apples and separate everything. Anyway, okay. Next one. Haunted College and not by frat boys. Hello, I'm T from the great state of Bama. I went to a local college in the state and had some experiences. The massive girls dorm in the center of campus is known to be haunted by a young woman who received serious burns due to an accident. One night, I met this young lady in a friend's dorm room. She was studying while I rested for a bit on the single bed in the room. 
I closed my eyes and felt something. Opened my eyes and she's still sitting and studying. I relax and rest, but not for long. I felt the movement again, but this time I moved. I sat up and left the bed, informing my friend I kept feeling something. We both knew the stories and the scuttlebutt about Connie. I assumed I would never see her until I chose to leave the room for the night. I opened the dorm room door to leave to moving flames, and in the midst, a young, petite, light-haired girl in a nightie. I did what anyone else would do, screamed an incredibly high-pitched yodel, and slammed the door. My friend confirmed in a bland way, yeah, that happens around here. I have more, but don't want to bore you terribly. Love your pod. Drag is not dangerous. T. Wait, so what's the story? What's the, what's the scuttlebutt with Connie? Yeah. I need some background. What's she do? Where's she from? Who she's been? Where's she know? Well, we know what happened to her. She had bad burns and stuff. I know, but like, why? Who yeah. did that to her? Yeah, we need to know all the backstory. Give us more of Connie. We need to know more details about Connie. And also, we agree, drag is not dangerous. Also, I love that your friend was so deadpan, like, yeah, that happens. Right? Like, bitch, what happens? <laughs> okay, the next one. Hey, Donna and Carrie, I want to give you guys a typical shout out. Thanks for all that you do. You help me get through COVID lockdowns as well as cleaning my kitchen and some minor house projects with laughs. On to my sinister sightings. My husband and I live in a house we rented from his sister and her husband. They did not warn us when we moved in that the house was haunted. It got so bad before I learned to use sage that my father-in-law sent us anointment oil. Here's a few things that happened. One of the worst ones was a spirit of a crying baby, accompanied later by one of my friend's actual children trying to get into our bedroom to get the, quote, baby. Several times with or without my husband, who worked at night shift, I would hear in the basement his voice saying something to me. Going out the back door for a late night smoke, I see in the reflection of glass on the back door a man walking behind me. The spirits of the people who used to live there told me there was a fire in the house at one point, and I believe that's how they died. Or it was a tragedy for one or more members of the family. Like they didn't tell me with words. I just knew it. And I knew that they had told me in that way. It's a weird feeling and it's hard to explain, but they wanted me to know. I can't remember exactly the reason, but there was a long period of time where I wouldn't sleep in the bedroom. And if I did, I would literally only have my mouth and my nose out of the blankets. Because, you know, under the blankets, they can't get you or at least you can't see them. Sounds that would rival two grown men WWE wrestling upstairs in the attic or like furniture being dragged around. And sometimes it even sounded like marbles being played on the wood floor. It finally got bad enough that we called my brother-in-law to go in the attic and check if a raccoon had gotten in. And embarrassingly, it was nothing. There were so many spirits, and I did have neutral or nice interactions at some points. And I also tend to be on the sensitive side and possibly have a little psychic tendencies. But since living there, I tried to turn it off as much as possible because it was mostly scary. And with my husband on night shift, I was always alone at night, except my chicken shit dog. But she wasn't very helpful and at one point wouldn't go down into the creepy ass basement anymore with me to do laundry. There were also a few older people on the same street as us that would feed stray cats. I'm talking like a 100 stray cats in this neighborhood. They love to hang out on the seldom used front porch. And I swear, 
they would have turf wars and scream and throw each other into the old metal screen door. Pretty much every time I went out to get the mail or a package, as soon as I'd open the door, you'd see 10 of them scramble away Scooby-Doo style with the legs running in midair. That's all the time I'll take today. Thank you so much for reading my story. Valerie from Ohio. Those cats were serious. Well, they said, this is my catnip. <laughs> wow. I don't like the crying baby thing, though. Uh-uh. No. And I understand why you try to turn it off because there is so much interaction at that house. Yeah. I know you can't really explain how you know, but like my question is, how do people know that it's the spirits talking to them and not your just imagination? I don't know. But I think it's one of those things like when they say you meet your person, like, you know, you know. Yeah. I think it's one of those things you don't really know until you know, so you can't explain it. Yeah. Okay, the next one. I'm Courtney, born and raised in Covington, Virginia. Absolutely love it here. You can use my name just so I know I finally made it onto the podcast. Currently listening to Sinister Sightings, and I figured I'd share one of my mom and her siblings' experiences growing up. I forced my mom to listen whenever she rides with me anywhere, and she loves it too. So if you could give her a shout out, I'd appreciate it. She's always been my biggest fan. Her name is Michelle. I have a lot of stories to share, but I'll leave you with this one for now. So buckle up. It's a long one. When my mom was younger, she and her siblings lived in Maryland with their mom, my grandma. Backstory. Before they moved into this house, there was a man and a woman who lived there. One day, someone came to the door. The husband answered and the wife joined him. The husband then excused himself and went downstairs to the basement. In trigger warning, he shot himself. Every night, my mom and her siblings would hear someone stomping up the basement steps, open and slam the basement door, stomp through the kitchen, up to the stairs to the second floor, and then hear the closet door open and slam. They'd hear the same noise repeat the same sounds back into the basement. Keep in mind, there is a freezer in the basement. Anytime it rains, there's water in the floor, and you touch this freezer, it could electrocute you. So years later, my uncle goes to the basement, touches the freezer, and it electrocutes him. Something threw him across the room. The noises they heard at night were never heard again after this day. Y'all could be the judge as to whether it was electricity that threw him or the spirit of the man that died by suicide in the basement that prevented my uncle from also dying in the basement. I'll share more stories of creepy things that either my mom or myself have experienced, if y'all are interested. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Keep being awesome. I listen to the podcast every day on my way to work, on my way home, while I'm showering, and also while I fall asleep at night. Stay safe and creep on creeping on. This has absolutely nothing to do with the story, but I do not know how y'all listen to stuff in the shower. I am in and out type of girl. I, well, I mean, I don't even wash my hair most days because I I mean, like, as fast as I can get in and out because I need my sleep. I listen to music usually so I can hype myself up. Mm, yeah, I could see that. But I listen to nothing because I want to get in and out of that bitch as fast as possible. Um, I don't know about your uncle, though, because I guess it would depend on how strong the electricity is. Like, if it was really the ghost or if it was the electricity that threw him. I mean, I could definitely see it being either. I was going to say, it could be both. Also, hey, Michelle. I mean, that's a pretty great name. It is my middle name. Oh, Lord. But also, that's really interesting that the residual energy 
basically stopped after your uncle almost died in the basement. I wonder if maybe he did not mean to die by suicide and he protected somebody else. And so like it like completed his loop. Maybe. Oh, oh, now you want to say that he has unfinished business. No, I'm just saying it was sounded like a loop of energy. Uh I'm just saying that I'm probably right. Okay. (laughs) Next one. Okay. High school hauntings, question mark, question mark. First of all, I love listening to y'all every day on my way home from work, even though now I'm even more afraid of black eyed kids, dolls, and even paintings. I love your friendship, and it made me rekindle old friendships with my two gal pals growing up. Life gets in the way a lot. So this is long, so I'll get started. I started working as a teacher this year. The school I work at is the same high school my parents graduated from in 1973. I'm unsure when the school was founded, but it is indeed an old school. It was old when my parents went to school here. I did not think there would be creepy paranormal experiences in a high school. My first experience. I stayed late to finish some grading for the nine weeks. While sitting at my desk, my door rattles as if someone's trying to get in. I open it and nothing, not even the cleaning people were still there. I leave the door open and go back to my computer when I hear the doors at the end of the hall that leads to the steps open and shut. I got up and walked all the way down there and down the steps and nothing. There would be several more of these experiences and once when the students were in the classroom and they were so confused. The second experience. I was in my classroom and it was getting dark outside. I looked out my window because I saw a black mass fly by and that's when I realized there are hundreds of bats swirling around a tower to one of the buildings near me and flying close to my windows. Yeah, I decided I was done for the day and left. My third experience is by far the most creepy. I was in my classroom again and yet again staying late. I shut the door and had this feeling that someone or something was rushing up on me. I pivoted back thinking the door wasn't shut and it was swinging back open when I saw this black mass dart from the board right at me. I remember flinching away and I did an awkward side flinch where you lean to one side and let your outside leg and throw your hands in front of you, like in front of your face, like some weird dance move. And if someone had been rushing me with my balance, I would have ended up flat on my butt or crashing into my desk. It was after this one, I decided that I was not staying that late alone again. There are rumors of a room that had two teachers have heart attacks in it. Not my room, thankfully. And the teachers did die. Plus, many years ago, a woman was shot and killed on our front steps by her jealous ex-husband. This is true. These are my creepy high school hauntings. What do you think? Call me LJ in case you have any listeners that work at the same school I do. That's creepy as shit. It is creepy. I definitely would have lost my balance. Oh, my God. Well, also, while Carrie was reading it, she did like a shimmy to the (laughs) the other side. Well, I had to understand exactly what she went through. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like anywhere you're there by yourself late that you feel like you're not supposed to. So like school, the church, things like that. It's always creepy. Yeah. I remember staying after school. I don't even know what it was for, but it was like 3.30. So not scary at all, but it was just eerie that no one was in the hall. It sounds like you need to take your computer home and work, girl. Uh-huh. Okay, the next one. Hey, y'all. Even though I am a Minnesota born and raised girly, I love saying y'all. 
My name is Danielle, and I now live in Los Angeles. I'm an extra-large pizza model, so I do plus-size modeling, and there's been a few times on set someone asked me my size, and I want to say double extra-large pizza. I'm also a flight attendant, and I understand how hard it is to say words with all the R's. When I make announcements, I have to say things like federal regulations require and cellular network a lot, and I mess it up a bunch. Being from Minnesota, how I say bag funny, and I say that a million times per flight, people always make fun of me. Do you say bag? I think she probably does. I went to grad school with a girl from Minnesota, and she would say bag. Like, almost like bagel, but it was like bag. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Okay, so you actually had someone in your life. I was going to say there was a girl named Nicole, I believe, on Big Brother, and she would say it like that too. (laughs) So I thought I'd share my favorite stories around aviation. The first story is a paranormal one. It's not mine personally, but I love it. The story goes, a woman comes to the back of the airplane during the flight. She asked the flight attendant if they could bring a hot green tea with two creams and two sugars to seat 23A for her husband. She returned to her seat. The flight attendant made the tea and brought it to 23A, but the man was sleeping, so the flight attendant just tapped him and told him that his wife ordered tea for him. He looked confused, and he replied, I don't understand. It couldn't have been my wife. The flight attendant said that she ordered him the tea. He responded, it's not possible. My wife just passed away. Her body's actually in the cargo in her casket, transporting her home. But he did say that's how she would always make him his tea. I thought it was so sweet. I take it as a sign that she's always watching over him and that she's okay. So sweet, but the fact that the flight attendant saw her is wild. The second one is for Carrie. This story's freaky. Nancy Ludwig, 41 years old, was a flight attendant at Northwest Airlines. On February 17, 1991, in a Detroit airport hotel, she was found bound, raped, and her throat slit. Her murder remained unsolved for a decade due to the lack of DNA. Jeffrey Gordon was sentenced to life in prison in 2002. He also married a professor, Marguerite Eby, in the same manner. This case was told to me and all new flight attendants in training because they want us to be aware of our surroundings. The way he got into her room was because he was creeping in the hotel lobby and saw the flight attendant sign-in sheet that shows room numbers and he was waiting in the stairs for her to get up. He waited for her to unlock the door and pushed her inside. It's so sad. Being a woman and traveling alone so often, I urge you all to look up some safety tips. Check your hotel room once you get inside, under the bed, closet, double lock the doors. I can't believe how many stories I hear, and most of the time it's because they didn't lock the door. Try to let people know when you're going to be exploring by yourself and your plans and locations. I have some more stories for next time. I love you both. If you want to check out my stuff or follow me and my travels, I'm at Danielle Lucker on all socials. Stay safe, y'all. Danielle. That's like rule number one of working in the front of a hotel is you don't give out, like you don't even say out loud people's room numbers. Yeah. But they're going to have, a what did they say? What year? Do we know what year that happened? Yes. 1991. Oh, just kidding. I'm an idiot. Um, I, I feel like that's really not that long ago that they should know, like, why are you posting the room numbers for the flight attendants? Yeah. Also though, 
That story about the wife, how sweet is that? Oh, my God. I bet if I was that flight attendant, though, I would have felt, I don't know, I feel like I would have felt like three inches tall, but also like incredibly happy to have passed that on, you know, but like that, that initial like, fuck, she's dead. And I just said, you know, yes. Oh, also, I would feel very comfortable asking for a seatbelt extender from you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad you gave us your handle or whatever username, whatever fuck. I don't know. Uh, because I was like, I want to see your stuff. And I I love following people who travel because mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, that looks so fun. Okay, the next one. A not so sinister sightings. Hi, Carrie and Donna. I came across you two wonderful ladies after a shout out by Patrick Hines a long time ago. I was hooked by your genuine friendship and humor. Thank you for being authentic and kind. Before I start my not-so-sinister setting, I just want to say thank you to all the beautiful creepsters who have shared their stories with all of us. I now have a name for the malevolent, supernatural intruder who has held me down in sleep paralysis. There's also a huge sense of kinship with my fellow empaths out there. On to my experience. There's a bit of a setup first. When I was 13, I was injured in a freak sporting accident. I can already spot the first issue, sports. At the time, I went to the hospital to get it checked out. It was a day after a nationwide hospital strike in New Zealand. The whole hospital was chaotic and struggling to get through the backlog. I hadn't been knocked unconscious, but did have a huge open wound on my forehead. X-rays were taken, but lost twice. On the third time, some six hours later, I was finally stitched up by a questioning medical student. I remember hearing the sound like a broken plate being pushed around. He said, I'm amazed there's no fracture. 21 very tidy stitches later, I was sent home. For the next week, I had two black eyes. I now know this is a sign of a basal fracture. Roll forward three months. Luckily, I was with my parents instead of being at high school that day. I remember feeling ill with a cracking headache. Even when I was hit by the discus, aka sporting incident, I never had anything like this pain. I was pressing my head against the steel bar to alleviate the intense pressure. My parents had a medical officer at the race meeting we were attending take a look at me. I bluffed my way through instead of saying I couldn't see. Mom and dad decided to leave early and get me home. The last thing I remember was my mother giving me a cup of warm tea. It was tasteless. And then me sitting in the back of the car as my lids closed, looking at the hill ahead of us. My next memory is the purpose of the story. I woke to see and hear my father and aunt crying in the room next to me. It was like I was in the corner higher up, but looking through a window, if that makes sense. I could hear them. My attention was drawn to the corner of my room. I was alone apart from a warm, loving, sentient light. I felt pure love and acceptance. I knew every answer to every question. I was looking over at my body. I could see myself from all angles, on top, below, left, right, at the same time. But it all made sense. I knew I was about to leave this plane. I looked back at my dad. I told the light that I couldn't leave yet. I started to fit back into my body. It was quite painful. My vision started to get back to normal, whereas I was fitting back into my body, I could see ahead of me. As I fit into my body, I could see the ceiling above me, the pain going through the roof to the next floor, seeing a hospital bed, then dropping quickly down through the floor, my body through the bottom of my bed, and then going back up again. 
This time, not as far. Once I settled, everything went black again until I woke up properly a day or so later. I was told I had meningitis and my brain had swollen. There was a fracture and I'd needed an operation when I was better. I never told anybody about what happened to me. My mom told me that they almost lost me as I stopped breathing for six minutes. Funnily enough, the only other thing that I remember was being put on a steel table with a rectangular cutout. My back was exposed through it. I was given an epidural, painful as fuck. My final thoughts about it all is I'm not afraid to die, but not until it's time. I've been lucky enough to have felt pure love and acceptance without conditions, and I don't have many answers in life anymore. I may not be into organized religion, but I have faith. Also, talk to and about people in comas. We can hear you. Love from New Zealand, Teresa. Okay, so discus is, I don't know why, but just so fucking funny to me, that word. And two, you said a cracking headache. And I was like, oh, must not be from here. Because we say splitting headaches. Yeah. And then the further Carrie read, you said mom. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm glad everything turned out all right for you, though. Like, they missed big shit at the hospital that first time. Yeah. My cousin had meningitis. And she had to get the epidural or the spinal tap or something like that. And they missed the first time. What? Yes. My dad had spinal meningitis one time and he was sick for so long. Sounds like like you. And they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And I said, I was like, did they check him for spinal meningitis? And they're like, I think so. And I was like, that's what it sounds like. And he was so sick. I'm telling you. His doctor later said, like, he thought he was going to die because they couldn't figure out what it was. And um, that's what it was. I was like, I fucking said that six months ago. Yeah. However many months ago, you know, and nobody listened to me. Meningitis is so scary. And I feel like it is hard to diagnose. It is. Because it's not one that everyone's like, oh, meningitis. It's like, oh, can't be meningitis. And then... Oh, it is. Well, shit, there's even a commercial about it here because apparently it's pretty common in like college kids and it gets missed and they pass away. But also let's talk about your out-of-body experience, your near-death experience. It sounds like... You like went through the floor and back up and round again. I've never really had that experience. Obviously, like not near death, but like even in my dreams, I normally don't see myself like outside of myself. Yeah. It's like I see me through my own eyes or, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, oh, there I am laying there. I don't know. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Okay, the last one. Sinister, sneaky sightings. Hey, chicks, Creep Mom here. For those wondering, it's June 8th. I'm listening to Sinister Sightings today, and someone mentioned playing pranks. So I decided to share some pranks my family has played on each other through the years. Most of them are not very elaborate. For instance, when you're in the shower, a pot of cold water might be thrown over the curtain. You also learn to check for a rubber band wrapped around the sprayer before turning on the kitchen sink. My favorite pranks always took place when Creep Spawn was having a sleepover. There are no better victims than teenage girls. Insert evil laugh. They always get themselves so worked up before anything happens. A couple of incidents stick out as my favorite. One evening, I was sitting on my back porch when I heard a couple of girls come into the kitchen for drinks and snacks. The conversation went like this. Girl one, 
Was that door open before? Referring to the back door, there is still a closed screen door. Girl two, I don't know, maybe it's Matt Myers. Girl one, who's Matt Myers? Girl two, from Halloween. Girl one, that's Michael Myers, you goof. While all of this is happening, I could tell they had opened the freezer door, which blocked their view of the screen door. So I quietly walked over to the door and pressed my face into the screen. Let me tell you, when they closed that freezer and saw me, it was like a scene from Scooby-Doo. They jumped into each other's arms, screamed, levitated back about 10 feet, and I thought I was going to pee myself. Another time, the girls had told themselves scary stories to the point they had to go to the bathroom in pairs. Two girls go to use the bathroom in our downstairs half bath slash laundry room, which connects to the kitchen by a louvered folding door. The other girls quickly scheme to put a girl behind the basement door who will jump out as the bathroom girls walk by. Meanwhile, the other five try to stand in the kitchen all nonchalantly. While all this was happening, I went out the front door around the house and I could peek through the bathroom blinds to see one girl trying to be the lookout while the other one pees. She's peering through the slats of the louvered door and I slowly start to drag my fingernails down the window screen. They both start screaming bloody murder and the lookout girl forgets how the door works and just starts bouncing off of it over and over. I'm pretty sure I did pee at this point. She finally understands how a door works, rips it open, plows through the groups of girls standing in the kitchen who are also screaming, but they don't know why. Lookout girl ends up in the sink. I stroll in the back door with a grin on my face. Everyone calms down. A couple of minutes later, basement girl opens the door and says, what happens? Which makes me laugh until I cry. There was also the time the girls were all asleep in my daughter's bedroom, which was in the attic. I literally crawled up the stairs in the dark, regular stairs, not the pull-down attic kind. I crawled through the sleeping bags, making a clicking sound with my nails. For Buffy fans, they had just watched the episode with the monster who peels its victim's skin off with long nails and clicks them together. Now, don't get me wrong. I was a victim of my fair share of Creep Spawn's pranks. Mine were just better. Love you girls and the wonderful Creepster community you've inspired. I'm so honored to be a part of it. Creep it real and get a little scared now and then. Love, Creep Mom, Teresa B. Out of all of that, my takeaway was I would lose my shit if somebody put cold water on me in the shower. Oh my God. I was always scared of being in the shower when we had like shower curtains and stuff. And I think it's from Psycho, really. But then... I got better about it because Tiffany, because, you know, we have no boundaries. So Tiffany would like be just like sitting on the toilet, not using the bathroom, just sitting there talking to me while I took a shower. Yeah. And I was, I don't know. It was kind of like, well, if someone came in, they'd get her first than me in the shower. Like, oh, I'm fine. (laughs) But now I have like a glass door. And so I feel better. But sometimes like, My eyes are closed and I do get freaked out because it's like someone could just come in because I'm like in the shower. You're vulnerable. You really are. Yes. Yeah. That. Oh, no. Uh. -uh. Scaring people is one of my favorite things ever. I like to be scared. I like to scare people. It's funny to me. I like to see people scared. I mean, like sometimes if you scare me 
really well, like it will make me angry, but then it makes me laugh. <laughs> like I'll have that instant of like, I'm so fucking pissed, but then I'm like, oh my God, that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Cause your go to is fight. Yes. Yes, it is. So it's just like how you always will argue, you know, you're like, no, that's wrong. Oh, no, that's right. Like, yes. The first thing is like, no, I'm going to fight you on whatever. It's so true. I don't think my mom really ever played pranks like that. I didn't. I don't know. I don't think she ever played pranks. I don't know. Tiffany would probably be able to remember more than me because Tiffany gets scared. My sister Casey does it with her kids and it's so funny. They like do it to each other. I think that's funny. I love that relationship though. Yeah. Thank you all so much for sending in all of these stories. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.